0: Well, you can be seated, and again, it's so good to be able to be with you today. I'm glad that you're here worshiping with us. If you're visiting with us, we want to welcome you, and thank you for uh, blessing us with your presence today. I also want to welcome uh, those that are joining us online uh, and watching us today. Thank you so much for uh, clicking on us and joining us in our time of, of worship. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah. Uh, We're going to begin this morning in chapter 63, Isaiah chapter uh, 63. And uh, like Hunter was mentioning earlier, we're going to resume our on-site Wednesday night Bible study starting next Wednesday, not this coming Wednesday, but a week from Wednesday, March 31st Uh, all of our kids ministries will resume and uh, we'll be having continuing our adult Bible study in here in the sanctuary Uh, we've been doing a study of revelation and we would love to have you join us for that been in it for a few weeks now Uh, if you've missed out on it you can catch up on that online all of those uh, lessons are available But uh, we would love to have you join us, March 31st, in our Wednesday night Bible studies. Well, this morning, I'm going to try one more time to close out this series that we've been in for a few months now called The Presence of God. And I think that the presence of God has been so real and so evident uh, to me over these past few months Uh, It's probably been one of my favorite series that I've done just from the fact of seeing how God has brought me through it and what He's brought me to, and how I was so prepared to move on to something else several weeks ago, and God just kind of checked me and went not so fast. Uh, I've got more for you, I've got more, I believe, for the church, and so I've really enjoyed uh, preparing and studying for this. I don't know about you folks, but it is absolutely amazing to me that God would want to be with me all the time. I hope if nothing else that you've gotten or taken away from this over the past few months is the fact that He's with you. He is with you. He is is in you. And I hope that that has helped you over these past few weeks. I hope that that has encouraged you. Uh, over these past few weeks as we've talked about that and focused on this. But honestly, if you've been joining us here in person or online at times, it's been a little convicting, but that's what the Word of God does. That's what the Spirit of God does. He doesn't leave you the way that you were. He doesn't want you to remain the way that you were. He convicts us in order to get us to surrender ourselves to Him. He, he convicts us in order uh, to get us to surrender our strengths or what we think are our strengths which we've actually learned in and through this are our weaknesses. But He wants us to surrender our strength, our weaknesses. He wants to surrender everything uh, to Him. And, And what we've been focusing on all throughout this series is the fact that Jesus didn't just save us from something. And, you know, it's awesome that He saved me from my sin. It's awesome that He's saved me from eternal death and eternity in hell that's awesome and i think so many times and and i have you even hear it preached sometime get saved and that's good enough get saved friends and that is just the beginning of the awesome life that he has for you because if it was all just about being saved then when you got saved he would have went, glory, hallelujah, and he would have snatched you up and took you to heaven. It ain't about that. I get in trouble. I'm sorry, wife. My wife's an educator. My, my daughter-in-law is an English uh, teacher. It ain't about that. Huh? Well, it's in the dictionary now. There you go. When He saved you, He didn't just save you from something, He saved you to something. Man, He saved you to this wonderful life, living under His presence, living under His power, living with Him continually, Helping us and and guiding us and, and blessing us. And He saved us to something that is so amazing. And what He saved us to is one of the greatest blessings that anyone could ever experience in their lifetime. And that's living our life in His presence and His presence in us. Friends, becoming a Christian isn't just about getting life insurance or fire protection insurance from hell. It's so much more than that. It's all about what He wants to do in us and what He wants to do through us on a daily basis. Every single day. It's what He wants to do in us so that others would see Him Can I ask you this morning before I even get started? Do other people see Him in you every single day? That's His desire. He wants to do that in our lives. And so here's where we are. Hopefully by now you understand all that. That was just kind of like a review. And hopefully by now you understand the fact that We're living with God's presence. And the Holy Spirit is living in us. And you know without a doubt, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that He gave you His presence through the Holy Spirit. Hopefully by now, you understand that. If you've placed your faith in Him, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead... Is in you. It's in you, that same power. And so, if that's the case, why is it that so many people who profess to be Christians are so wishy washy when it comes to their faith? So hot. And then so cold when it comes to being a follower of Christ. They're hit and they're missed. They come and they go. And they struggle. And oh how they struggle to try to separate themselves from the things of the world that they know they ought to be separated from. And they struggle with it. And they fight it. And honestly, so many people today are living spiritually defeated and inconsistent lives. And I believe that this morning's passage of Scripture, here in the book of Isaiah, I believe this gives us such an accurate description of what is taking place in the lives of so many people who consider themselves to be Christ followers today. And this morning, I want to share this passage with you from the NLT version of the Bible. I just like the wording of it better. It gives it a little better uh, clarity uh, for me. And so this morning, Isaiah chapter 63, I want to pick it up at verse 7 this morning. God's Word says this, I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love. I will praise the Lord for all He has done. I will rejoice in His great goodness to Israel, which He has granted according to His mercy and love. He said, They are my very own people. Surely they will not betray me again. And He became their Savior. In all their suffering, He also suffered. And He personally rescued them. In His love and mercy, He redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. But they rebelled against Him and grieved His Holy Spirit. So He became their enemy and fought against them. Then they remembered those days of old when Moses led his people out of Egypt. They cried out, Where is the one who brought Israel through the sea with Moses as their shepherd? Where is the one who sent his Holy Spirit to be among his people? Where is the one whose power was displayed when Moses lifted up his hand? The one who divided the sea before them, making himself famous forever. Where is the one who led them through the bottom of the sea? They were like fine stallions racing through the desert, never stumbling, as with cattle going down into a peaceful valley. The Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. You led your people, Lord, and gained a magnificent reputation. Lord, look down from heaven. Look from your holy, glorious home and see us where is the passion and the might you used to show on our behalf where are your mercy and your compassion now surely you are still our father even if abraham and jacob was dishonest lord you would still be our father you are our redeemer from ages past lord why have you allowed us To turn from your path. Why have you given a stubborn heart. So we no longer fear you. Return. And help us. For we are your servants. And I believe if we're all honest today. We've either been there. Or you're there right now. We know who God is. The children of Israel knew better than most who God was. He had designated them as His chosen people. The children of God. When we started this series, we saw the powerful presence of God among them. We talked about the things that they had seen, the things that they had witnessed, the sea being parted and they crossed on dry ground, uh, the manna from heaven, the quail, all the things that God had done for them and in them. And yet they find themselves here in this position. They knew who God was. They knew what God wanted. They knew what He had done in the past. Friends, it's no different than us. We know who God is. We know what God has done in the past. And we know what God wants to do. We know we have His powerful presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But like the prophet goes on here in verse 19, sometimes it seems as though we never belonged to you. As though we had never been known as your people. How do God's chosen people find themselves in such a place? How do the children of God find themselves in such a place? How does that happen? How has that happened to some of us here today? What makes it possible for someone to be living so close to God and then all of a sudden find themselves so far away? Well, there are four things that I want to look at today that the Bible teaches us about what causes this and what can prevent us from finding ourselves in the very situation that we find recorded here. By the prophet Isaiah. Four things that we should avoid. And the first is this we see it here in verse 10 of our passage of scripture, but it says, They rebelled against him, and they don't miss this, grieved his Holy Spirit, grieved his presence. So the first thing, in the Apostle Paul, I'll just quote him this morning from Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. The first point for us this morning, the Apostle Paul says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Another translation of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 says it like this, Do not make God's Holy Spirit sad. Our relationship with God, and we talk about this a lot, but our relationship with God is simply that. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. And in all of our close relationships, I want you to think about it, in all of the close relationships that you have, there are things that we can do in those close relationships with others that can be hurtful right, that can cause them to grieve, can, can cause them to be sad because we're so close to them that we can cause them that kind of hurt and that kind of pain and, and that kind of, uh, of sadness. And again, I want you to, to think about this. The Holy Spirit lives with, with us and the Holy Spirit lives in us and it is possible For you to hurt the Holy Spirit. To grieve the Holy Spirit. Think about it. A relationship has to be a close relationship in order for grief to actually be possible. Right? I don't grieve someone that dies that I do not know. Someone that I do not know cannot make me sad or grieve me in that way but people that I'm close to you can grieve or make your parents sad right you can grieve or make your kids sad you can grieve or make your spouse sad you can grieve or make your close friends sad But just a casual acquaintance? Probably not so much, right? You can't make them sad. You can't grieve them. Now, you can offend them. We all know the world that we're living in right now. You can offend anybody, even if you don't know them. They're going to be offended. Mm. My mind goes, y'all don't even have a clue. My mind went so many different places right then. When I said that, I started thinking of all the dumb things that people have said to me that they were offended by, that I offended them. You think I care I offend you? No. That's why I'm still wearing my Nike tennis shoes. I'll let that go someday, maybe. You can grieve... People that are close to you, you can make people sad that are close to you, but people that you're not really that close to, you know, you you can't make them sad. You can't grieve them. You can make them mad, but that's not grief. The word grieve here indicates an intimate and loving relationship. In which someone who loves you deeply is hurt by that. And make no mistake about it. There is no one ever that loved you more than Jesus. You name me one single person in your life that went to a cross... And died for everything that you would do wrong so that you wouldn't have to. There is no one that loves you more than Jesus. And so this brings up two questions this morning, I believe, before we can even move on to the next point. First question is this. Are you living close enough to the Holy Spirit that grief is even a possibility? Are you living close enough to God that grieving Him and making Him sad is even a possibility? And second... Is he grieved with the way you are living your life right now? Does it make him sad to see how very little you even consider his love? Does it make him sad to see how little you even consider the blessings that he's poured out upon you. It's being a child of the king. Do we take it so lightly and so flippantly that it makes him sad to know that we do. Friends, Paul's pretty clear we can't grieve the Holy Spirit. The second one is this, and I'll just quote Paul again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. Paul says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. What's the best way to put out a fire? Water. John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 he said i came to baptize with water jesus will come and baptized with will come and baptize with the holy spirit and with fire jesus will come and baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire and on Pentecost, we, the, the Spirit came in power. And Scripture tells us that fire fell on the believers. Fire fell on the followers of Jesus. And you know what? It fell on them. It consumed them. It burned in their hearts. And it ignited this fire that would spread all throughout the world. The power of the fire. And friends, can I just tell you today, this isn't something that only took place on Pentecost. That is exactly what happened in your heart and your life when you surrendered your life to Christ. This is exactly what happened to you. The fire fell upon you, consumed you, and was in you. The fire of the Holy Spirit was present when you accepted uh, Christ. And and here's what I know about the majority of people that go through that experience and they get saved and they accept Christ. They are on fire because they so understand what God has saved them from and what Jesus had done for them on the cross of Calvary and how important the empty tomb was to them. And they were absolutely overwhelmed with the thought that someone would love them so much. And they would be on fire. And you know what? They'd want to know more about this Jesus. They'd want to know more about this Savior. They would want to know more about this story of love. They'd want to know more about this grace that they had received. And not only would they want to know more, but they would want to share that and tell other people about it. Lo and behold, evangelism. I mean, when you got saved, think about it. You wanted to tell somebody, right? You wanted to tell somebody what had happened in your life and what God had done. You wanted people to know that because you had a fire that was burning in your soul. You had a fire that was burning uh, in your heart and you didn't have to be told that. You felt it. You experienced it. I had a young man tell me one time on the, uh, on the way back from a, a retreat thing that we had been to and it was just a powerful time of God's presence and teenagers gathered around the altars and uh, just a powerful time. And this young man said to me while we were coming home, he said, he said, how could anybody experience that and feel that and not live their life for God? Good question. Because you feel it. You know it. The fire is burning in you. But don't miss this. What Paul is saying to us here. The fire can be extinguished. Paul's telling us here that it is possible to douse and quench the fire that burns within you. Until all that remains is a blackened fire dark, cold, hardened heart. Where there once was fire, where there once was light, where there once was warmth, there's now coldness and death. And you may notice here that Paul doesn't tell us if you're familiar with the 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 passage here, Paul doesn't tell us in this Scripture how someone quenches the Spirit's fire. He simply commands, don't do it. But anybody that's read Scripture knows enough about it to know what it is that quenches the Spirit's fire. You see, a fire is quenched when water is poured on it. Friends, don't miss this. Sin is the water of, In our lives. Hear me now. Sin is the water in our lives that grieves the spirit and puts out the flame. So, can I ask you is your life white hot with the fire of the spirit, or have you let the fire? be put out. It is possible to quench the Spirit in your life. Third thing is this, do not resist the Spirit. We saw this a few weeks ago. We talked about the story of Stephen in the book of Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. He's basically standing before some religious leaders that felt like they were in a position to be able to judge him and judge his ministry and and, and, uh, what he was teaching and he stood before them. And he said, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And of course, we know, because we know the story, they killed him because of what he said here, which only validated that what he was saying was the truth. Amen? You see, these people that he, they were talking to were really good at putting on a good face, putting on a good show, looking real good and being religious when they had to be religious. They'd even been baptized. But they were resistant to the Holy Spirit purifying their hearts. They were resisting to letting the Holy Spirit do the work in their hearts and their lives That the Holy Spirit was trying to do. Church. It's easy to play the part. It's easy to look good. On the outside. But unless you're allowing your heart to be changed. I'm sure. You're probably struggling with spiritual weakness and inconsistency. A believer's relationship with the Spirit of God can start out strong. Most of them do. But it's almost shocking to me sometimes to watch how strong and how fired up and how passionate somebody can be when they accept Christ. And it's shocking sometimes to see just how quickly that fire can go out. Just how quickly that fire can be extinguished in somebody's life. And that then leads to just full-blown resistance to the Spirit being able to make any changes at all. That He wants to make in our heart and in our life. Listen. Once someone begins to grieve the Holy Spirit. To make the Holy Spirit sad. The next step is to quench the Spirit. And the Spirit's fire. And ultimately that will lead to resisting the Spirit's voice. And allowing Him to make the changes that He wants to make on a regular basis in our hearts and lives. Why can't you hear the Spirit? Why don't you feel the Spirit like you once did? Well, if you're honest, it could be because you've gotten so cold to Him that you can't feel Him you've quenched the fire and you've grown cold and resisting anything of the Spirit. Friends, I beg you, do not resist the Holy Spirit because the consequences are not anything that you want to live with. You hear me? The consequences of this are not anything that you want to live with. And they're definitely not something you want to die with. And that brings us to the fourth and last thing this morning. And it's this. Do not insult the Spirit. What do you mean by that? I mean all these last three Now, it sounds like an insult to the Spirit to me, but I want you to look at what Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 28, says. Again, taking us back to where we began this series with Moses and God's chosen people. The writer of Hebrews says, anyone who rejected the law of Moses, they died without mercy on the testimony of just two or three witnesses. How much more severely... Do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? And we'd all this morning quickly go, well, that's not me. I mean, good grief, I'm in church. Some other heathens are watching online, right? We're not calling you heathens, by the way, though they're watching online. I know there's a very good reason. Like some of you are in other states. I understand that. But I think we uh, probably don't need to be so quick at saying that we haven't insulted the spirit. Because here's the deal. The writer here is speaking about people who once knew the truth. Okay? He's talking about people who once knew the truth and then turned from it. And decided to disobey. And he says here, right, that those who disobeyed the law of Moses, right... They were put to death. They were killed based on only if a couple witnesses came forward and said, I saw this person not living according to the code, according to the law. All right? I saw them break one of the Ten Commandments. And two or three people came together and and went before the, the judges or whoever and say, This person, we saw this person do this wrong. They would be killed. Don't miss this. If that was the case back then, before what Jesus did for us on the cross, right? verse 29 says, How much more will we be held accountable of treating lightly the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary? How much more Will we be held accountable for taking lightly what Jesus did for us on the cross? And those who are Christian in name only. And you know, we live in a society today, there's a new term out there that's popular. A lot of people like to throw around these days called a rhino. Republican in name only. Can I just tell you this morning, we need to be a whole lot more concerned about the kinos, Christian in name only, could be a lot of what's wrong with our world today and our nation today is because we got a lot of kinos out there walking around. Christians in name only are not living their life fully surrendered to Him. And let me tell you something, when you call yourself a Christian and you are half-heartedly serving Him and loving Him and loving your neighbor as yourself, you are trampling on the blood of Jesus, the Son of God. I'm not here to win a popularity contest. I told you when we started this series, I feel stronger than ever before that we're living in the last days. I will not stand up here and tell you what you want to hear. I will stand up here and tell you the truth and preach the truth. And there's a lot of people today who are walking around on this earth who are Christian in name only and they are trampling on the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that is an insult to the Spirit. We've moved from grieving the one who has loved us more than anyone else could ever have loved us. Loved us enough to die for us. We've moved from grieving this one to quenching the spirit to resisting the spirit and that culminates in our outright insulting the cross and what was done on the cross of calvary for you and me and the writer here says that the punishment for that is so much more severe than death hear what the word says friends The punishment for that is so much more severe than someone saying, I saw him do something wrong and they killed him. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm not real educated, and that's pretty obvious, but that is a place that I don't want to be in. That's a situation where I don't want to be found. But can I tell you this this morning? It is so easy to get there. It is so easy for us to find ourselves making compromises, begin justifying, and it's so easy to find ourselves in this place right here. A a lot of people approach Christianity today like there's some magical line out there somewhere that we cannot cross. And so they take their chances, they take their risk, Just to see how close I can get to the line without actually crossing it. Friends, if that's the way you're living your Christian life, you've missed it. It's not about how close can I get to the line and still be all right, it's about how close can I get to Jesus and Him help me every single day be the person. That He wants me to be. So that I can bring glory to Him. And I can honor Him through the life that I live. He is worthy of my life because He gave His life for me. And a lot of people are just approaching Christianity like, What can I get away with and still be okay? Friends, that's a dangerous way to live your life. I'm just telling you. It's a dangerous way to live. Because I believe today we've seen the results of doing that. We've seen the results of making compromises. We've seen the, the results of what, you know, what, what can I, what can I get away with here and still be okay. Friends, there's a lot of people that aren't going to want to stand before Jesus on the judgment day and tell them how good they were at getting close to that line, but I never crossed it. I beg you today. And I believe the Spirit is begging some of you today. Don't make Him sad. Don't grieve Him today. Because can I just tell you this? If you don't grieve Him, you're not going to quench Him. If we never resist Him, we're not going to insult Him. If you will fully embrace the Spirit and the presence of God... Friends, you will live in such a a personal and, and vital and living and loving relationship with Him. You know, you remember the way it was before? We called it the good old days. Why were they the good old days? Because we were on fire in the good old days. That's why they were so good. He's the only one who's ever going to fulfill you. So many people today, Christian in name only, are looking for everything else in the world to fulfill them and satisfy them. He is the only one. You don't need me up here to tell you that. You knew that. We know that. He's the only one who will ever fulfill. He's the only one who will ever satisfy. He's the only one that will ever give you a life that feels like you have any purpose at all whatsoever. That only comes through Him. The presence of God will fill your life with blessing, will fill your life with joy, will fill your life with peace. The presence of God will fill you with His power. Friends, this is the presence of God. Let me pray for you. God, today I thank you for your presence. And I thank you for your word, which is the truth. And your spirit today has spoken truth. And it's up to us what we do with it. God, forgive me. When I've grieved you, forgive me when I've quenched the fire. God, it's so easy and can happen so quickly that we don't even know what has crept in our hearts and our lives that has quenched the spirit God forgive me of the times that I've resisted what your spirit tried to do in my heart and my life and I just chose my own path my own way and I have trampled on the blood Of my Savior. Forgive me. And God, I trust today that your Holy Spirit is at work. And I thank you for what you're doing right now in this moment. God, oh, how I pray how the fire would fall and burn again in the hearts and lives of the people that you call the children of God. Find us faithful. Find us obedient. Thank you for loving us. (laughs) Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love you guys.